0: Welcome to the 19th ESC Every Soldier Counts podcast. Wherever you find American troops today, you find the men of the Transportation Corps. Enough and on time. That's the story we tell you today. The story of the Army Quartermaster Corps. These youthful servicemen are members of the Army's Military Police Corps. One of the most important forces behind the lines, the Army Ordnance Corps. <laughs> Welcome to the 19th ESC Every Soldier Counts podcast. I am Sergeant First Class Adam Ross, Public Affairs NCOIC for 19th Expeditionary Sustainment Command, coming to you from Camp Henry, Republic of Korea. And with me today, we have a very special guest. We have Staff Sergeant Seth Browning, who has an interesting story to tell and an interesting um, habit he's picked up here in Korea. You produce... Would you call them training videos, or what do you call them?
1: Yeah, just instructional videos for operators.
0: Okay, and like we'll we'll get into it a little bit later, but uh you know S- S- Sergeant Browning has really embraced the uh, the kind of virtual training environment that uh, we were kind of forced into with the COVID pandemic. Um, but really, it's 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 a great product, and uh, we'll get into it a little bit later. First, I want to hear. Some more about you, Sergeant Browning. What what brought you to the army? Tell us about what uh, what your job is.
1: Well, I mean, probably the same thing that brought most people to the army—the patriot card. You know, I was a teen or young adult whenever the towers fell, so I just wanted to serve. My dad was, you know, in the army as well, so just followed in his footsteps. The only one of four brothers that did. Uh, I was a reservist first, which hence the patch. Okay, you know, most yeah. people <laughs> are like, oh, I've never seen that patch, and yeah, it's it's a reserves patch from my first deployment.
0: If you could move just a little bit more, yeah, can. I? There you go. Yep. Okay, so you enlisted shortly after 9-11? Then? I came in in two thousand seven. I was way too young at that. Okay, point. yeah, I was going to say you don't look that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, thanks. Yeah, it's a good thing. Um, and so you're an eighty eight, Mike, or you're.
1: No, I am an 88. Okay. Mike, yeah. All I right. was. A, I joined as an 88 Mike and kept it even when I came on active duty.
0: So that was when you must have deployed probably around 2007 then? Eight. 2008. I mean, that was a dangerous time for 88
1: Mikes back oh, yeah. then. Uh, third most dangerous job in the Army is, is what they told us and still remains the same. Like, yeah. The, I remember at AIT, they were always like yeah, this is a terrible job. And I was like, that's not what the recruiter said. <laughs> and of course they were like, yeah, well, he lied. Um, so did you w- always want
0: to become an instructor or was that something that you kind of p- uh, picked up later, you- your interest in it?
1: Yeah. Like when I, when I started like looking at what my future was, I definitely wanted to go either be drill or instructor. You know, the, the recruiter life just wasn't for me.
0: Hmm. And so, uh, what was that, what was that like then become, uh, cause you, to become an instructor, they probably have like an instructor training course at, is it
1: Fort Leonard Wood? It is. Okay. So what can you tell me about the, the instructor course? Uh, the instructor, uh, the instructor course itself is, it's like most military schools are. It just teaches you the basics. I mean, the four pillars of learning and things like that. And I, I, had picked up a little bit and I kind of like planned how I wanted to, but out there at AIT, everything is lesson plan driven. It gives mm. you a little flexibility to teach what you want, but not a lot.
0: And so was it, did it, did it live up to your expectations? Like the, the, the instructor
1: life? Absolutely. I enjoyed every single day on the pad, uh, if, if I could have just showed up to work, gone to the pad, taught the students, and left, I, I would have retired there. I, I wouldn't need to change jobs ever. I would have stayed right there.
0: And so before we get into kind of what you've been doing now with the training material, so what is the, kind of the
1: curriculum for
0: 88 Mike soldiers? What What are the main things they're learning at AIT?
1: Uh, it changes frequently, but when I left there, they, they were uh, focusing on trying to— teach the students more about PMCS because the generational gap, they've noticed that the the soldiers coming into the army now just don't know as much about working on vehicles or the mechanics of them. Uh, So they're, they're trying to dive a little deeper into that. Obviously the operations of the systems never change. You know, everything on the vehicle they learn, the two platforms, the LHS, PLS, Hemet platform, and then they go to 915 for the truck and trailer combination. So how long was that course? For 88 mics, six weeks. Okay. And
0: so was you come to Korea after that? or Yep, directly. Were, okay. And so uh, this, what was your initial thoughts when you found out you'd be coming to Korea?
1: I was happy. I actually requested to come here. Oh, really? I, my grandfather, he had served in Korea. I went to Fort Knox where he had served. I came here where he served. My dad always spoke great about this place. I was like, well, why not just revisit all those places they did, join the Army to travel.
0: So your dad and grandpa were in Korea? Right. Okay. Wow. So third generation Browning in Korea. Your your father, you said your father was a soldier mm-hmm. as well? Okay. Interesting. And so uh, tell us a little bit about what you do at Camp Carroll.
1: I'm with 95th Trans over there. We are a fuel operations unit. We issue bulk fuel to a lot of the units here in the Area 4
0: and so really, any, I mean, I think of uh, Camp Carroll, a lot of the units there are kind of the, the hub for transportation mm-hmm. around the peninsula. So I imagine like all these, these big transportation missions, they involve you guys quite a bit. Absolutely.
1: Right. You know, we've we've had some units stop in on the way from like Camp Casey to to get some refuel and things like that or do a quick stop for mechanical issues that have come. And so let's get into a little bit about, uh, how you got on our
0: radar. Um, Sergeant major Skelton told me about, you said, I have this NCO who's making these excellent YouTube videos about training. I'm like I never really heard about that before. So I, I looked up your videos and I was, I was really impressed with what they are. So let's talk about what, where did the idea for that originally come from for you?
1: When I was an instructor, we didn't have anything like video related. Everything is instructor given every time that they receive anything it's from an instructor but it we didn't have any visual tools so as instructors we had to explain thoroughly sometimes just overabundance of information to help that one student learn and then the rest of them are just sitting there like okay i get it and i had one student i mean he just could not understand the backing of a trailer couldn't understand the science of it. I mean, I, I make the joke that if Jesus took the wheel, he still would have had trouble. Parking it. <laughs> but, uh, I, he said, I, I, I can't imagine what you're explaining to me. I just can't picture it in my mind. And I was like, okay, here's what I'll do. We hit lunch break. I went out to the vehicle and I just recorded on my cell phone while driving. And I, I used my finger and I pointed at it on the cell phone video. And then after lunch gave him the cell phone video you know, let him watch it, and he was like, oh. Mm. And I, I, you could see that light bulb moment, and it happens a lot. Once he's seen it, he was able to drive backwards, use the the actual, like, reference point that I had gave him, and it helped him. He increased, like, two to three minutes. Just off of that, uh, we have a ten-minute time standard. He was able to go from not being able to park it at all to, like, right around seven-minute time frame, and then... Hmm. After two or three more times, he was parking it proficiently. And he had mentioned that the video helped. And I was like, okay, well, every time I do something to learn, I look it up on YouTube. Mm -hmm. I'm a millennial. Why not? Mm -hmm. Everybody does. If you don't know how to find something on your car or fix something on your car, YouTube it is. And I I looked around. I was like, we don't have that here. Let's start doing that. And it just kind of grew from there. Hmm.
0: And so the material – and then your channel is called – what's the name of your channel?
1: Uh, right now it's just my name, Seth Browning. Seth Browning, okay. Um, but your your
0: videos are kind of modeled off after how you would do your instructor course, your cor- t- teacher courses at Fort Leonard Wood?
1: Some of them are because a lot of them were for the AIT like environment. But a lot of the ones that I'm doing now are – If we have trouble in the motor pool with something for example i made the one video is how to get a wheel unstuck well that literally the the idea for that dawned off of the fact that we had a lot of trucks with stuck wheels in the motor pool and i wanted everybody to be able to take advantage of it not just the small group that was there with me that day and the the videos look great i mean for
0: especially for is making the, the, the material kind of is compelling, you know, because it's easy to follow and that's not easy. As someone who makes videos for a living partly. <laughs> I know how tough that can be. So, but you told me earlier you were self-taught. So was there, what was the learning curve like for you then when you first started making these videos?
1: Trial and error. It, it was a lot of wasted film, a lot of wasted days trying to figure out the, the lighting aspect and then going back to the, uh, to the, to the research phase. It's like, okay, how can I do this better? Because I really can't provide the, the, what I was looking for in the film that I had made. It's like too much shadow or it just didn't Mm. come out where, where you could see it well. So I would look it up and see like tricks that other people had done, come back and do it again.
0: And you're using a GoPro camera and your cell phone? That's it. And then for editing software,
1: you're using iMovie or Filmora Pro. Okay, and it works for my computer. I've got a hmm. uh, just a HP, hmm. not a Mac. And so
0: right now, how many videos do you have on the channel? Do you remember?
1: I've got ten on there now.
0: Okay. But uh, some some of them have like thousands of views. I noticed. So what's been the feedback you've received on them?
1: All positive. I mean, I've, I've, of course, there's a few people that are. You know, a little trolley. they'll, they'll leave something silly and I'll just, I'll hide that comment or something because it doesn't pertain to any benefit. You know, a lot of the students at AIT that watch it, they'll be like, shout out zero four truck, things like that. I leave that it's, you know, whatever it's, it's only the bad comments that i will be like, all right, that doesn't need to be there. I don't need people fighting in comment sections, but... And so, I mean, it's, it's
0: helping soldiers really anywhere who can access YouTube, but have you seen an effect on on your unit having those videos there?
1: Yes. The one, the 5988 one, uh, our own maintenance chief had been like, thank you for making that because this is getting, it was getting out of hand. Korea has a different environment, you know, they're here for a year. So it's, it's hard to get them taught and then take advantage of that, you know, with that longevity. Normally you'll have like experienced specialists running there or running around that have been with the unit for three, four years that can help. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We don't have that in Korea. Another thing that um,
0: made me think of it goes back to probably your AIT days too, is that we have a lot of soldiers who really haven't been driving period for that long. I mean, is that, right. that's part of the challenge
1: too, right? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. There's, not an influx of missions
0: and that's, you know, something. Well, I mean, even soldiers like driving their civilian cars. I mean, if you have like a 19 year old soldier, they really don't have that much driving experience.
1: (laughs) No, yeah, exactly. It's AIT and then here. Mm -hmm. So their, their driving experience is extremely limited. And now we're putting them in large trucks.
0: But your videos are mostly focused on like the maintenance level,
1: everything, all of its operator level stuff, uh, to what I can do obviously mm. there are some things that you know you would yell at me for sure don't sure. do that that <laughs> doesn't need to be on video so
0: how how important is it like as an NCO how important is it that your soldiers all have like a, a really good knowledge of those basic tasks like the, the PMCS and all that
1: oh the importance is extreme I mean one they need it to maintain the vehicles Two, I mean it in combat, it would be a, a do-or-die type thing. And, you know, for the future of their career, one day they're going to be sergeant whatever, and, and they need to be able to teach their Joes.
0: Do you bring up your, your combat experience a lot with your soldiers?
1: Not a lot. I mean, some of it's not pertinent, but, you know, it's like a motivator, like, oh, here's here's a time that this really sucked for me, and that's why I'm teaching you now, so it doesn't have to be that for you.
0: Mm. And what what about— um this might be kind of a dumb question, but like like when you were going through AIT, I mean, you knew that you were going to deploy and go to a very dangerous place pretty shortly, I would think. Oh yeah. And so do, do you think it's different for today's soldiers coming through? Maybe they don't, they don't really know what their, their mission is going to be when they get there.
1: Oh, it definitely is. I mean, working out at the AIT, you, you just see the difference generationally. It's like, we were at the height of two wars or conflicts when I came in. Now there's nothing. So they're coming in for different motivations. Most of the kids come, or most of the soldiers coming through now weren't even alive on 9/11. It's crazy to think about that. Yeah. It is. It's kind of just sad.
0: But let's let's stay on that a little bit. What, do you, what are some things you learn from your, your soldiers now? Like are there things that they can teach you or maybe that,
1: uh, that how they motivate you? i learn something from them all the time. I mean, just because I'm not super, super good with technology. So if I have trouble, for example, with Adobe, like, yeah, I can play with it and figure it out. YouTube video it and figure it out. But most of these guys, like they're in college, you know, my college days were done. That's, you know, four years since I've done any type of schooling like that. And, they show me all these new things. I learned different stuff on Microsoft Word I had no idea about all the time. Just S- as an example.
0: So someone else, um, maybe a different MOS, if they wanted to, if they were thinking about doing something like this, what were some of the what are some of the steps you'd recommend to them? Because you had you had to run this by legal as well,
1: right? Absolutely. Before you put anything on the internet, one dive into regulation. Uh, two. Go seek some legal guidance because th- there was some things that I didn't even know that I could show that I thought would be a no-go and then I found out that it was okay and there was some stuff that I would have thought was okay uh, in one of the videos I mentioned like you can't, I can't show the blow-off valve I was like that's such an mm. insignificant thing I don't see why that's important and they were like well it's different for these vehicles it's not top secret but there are certain things where like locations of under the vehicle can cause problems. And I was like, oh, okay, well, that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah. As
0: a uh, part of the new public affairs regulation, they want everyone to be OPSEC level two before Really being a webmaster at all, so that that's that's part in in the OpSec level two course, you learn about certain things like that. How, you know, in one thing by its own isn't you know classified, but if you add a couple more things into that, you know, yeah, makes sense. Yeah, so let's let's talk a little bit about your time in Korea. So um, you were excited to come here because of your family legacy, but um, can you talk about your your experience thus far in Korea? What you thought of it?
1: Oh, I loved it. I got here August and the first thing that I started doing was getting off post getting out seeing the culture uh, I love traveling you know if I can see a foreign country and actually be able to go enjoy the culture of it not like a deployment where it's like yeah you're not enjoying the culture of that mm. it it definitely like is appealing to me and Korea is a beautiful country
0: so what are some of your favorite places that you've been Daegu I went to uh,
1: tower 83 oh you yeah can, you can jump mm-hmm. off of it. You like, did do you jump off? Yeah. Really? Yeah. Okay. That <laughs> was uh I at first when I seen it I was like, Oh bungee jumping. isn't people aren't people afraid to like hit the tower like as it's springing around? They're like, No, it's just a cable drop. Literally a zero gravity, it lets go and you just Go straight down. I don't know how many meters it yeah, is. Yeah, Tower
0: 83 is at uh, E-World, which yeah. is the amusement park. Daegu has an amusement park, a theme park within the city. It's, mm-hmm. it's, in, it's in the city, basically. You know? yes. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And so uh, Camp Carroll, every time we have a guest on from Camp Carroll, I like to ask him, like, what part of what is fascinating to me about that post is that it's really in the middle of kind of army history there with, with uh, hill 303 right right there. You can see it right in your backyard. What, um, what's, what's the camp Carroll and Wegwan experience like for you?
1: There's not much to do out there, but there is anybody that comes to camp Carroll, or I'm sorry, when I was coming to camp Carroll, people were like, it's such a small post. There's nothing to do there. It's going to suck for you. But at least Dag was 45 minutes away. But I mean, there's go-karting out there. There's, a place that has, like, a indoor golf. You just, like, hit the ball, and it goes against, like, a soft screen. There's Hill 303, you know, for outdoorsy mm-hmm. people. You can hike that, go up to the top. It's got the, uh, what do they call it? Observatory. That? Yeah, mm-hmm. and that's a beautiful view from up there. Uh, there's another tower in Chilguk, and uh, that's, that's on another hill to hike. The river has a river park where they actually have workout equipment. I was going there throughout the summertime more than I was going to the gym. Hmm. So, I mean, it's, it's a nice place. Yeah.
0: That's one of my favorite things about Korean culture is that you, you find that workout kind of the, the public workout equipment really everywhere. You can go like we, uh, my family and I went to Busan we were on this beautiful, uh, kind of like, Uh, landscaped hill we were walking and seeing the ocean and there is still the the workout equipment there like even on this you know beautiful like landscaped flowers everywhere you know they have it everywhere like the fitness culture is really a thing
1: here oh yeah Mm -hmm. i mean that and that trail runs all the way to daegu it's like they spared no expense to make sure like health and fitness was part of the culture so uh,
0: after korea then um what's what's next on your mind what's what, what are the next goals you're looking at
1: I mean, right now I'm on orders already. Going to Fort Bliss next. Okay, that'll be, that'll be an exciting chapter. I just checked my email today, seeing that somebody had reached out to me. Actually, so oh, that's good. <laughs> I'll, I'll get to contact somebody and find out what that next chapter is.
0: And so, um, are you? You have a family, or I do. I have yeah, a okay, wife. okay. So they're they're gonna move. there. they're waiting for you to come back, and then move there with you or? Oh yeah. My wife's already looking at property. Okay. Like <laughs> but House but they're nice. not, are they here with you now? Or? No. Okay. Yes. Uh, my Fort Bliss is actually my first duty station and it's, uh, <laughs> it's actually, it's not that different from think of it like a supersized camp Henry. Cause it really is in the city. Like just like camp Henry is like, mm-hmm. it's a giant army base in a, a giant city basically. Nice. <laughs> and there's plenty, plenty of, uh, transportation units there for sure. So hopefully you
1: can help a bunch of, uh, soldiers there. Yeah. Learn, learn the trade right. too. I see Het units out there. Oh, yeah. PLS. Uh, I'm not sure if there's any 915.
0: but yeah. Um, so for everyone who wants to check out Sergeant Browning's YouTube channel, it is, if you search Seth Browning on YouTube and what we'll, we'll, we'll put a link to it in the comments for this show as well. But, uh, Sergeant Browning I want to thank you so much for coming by and, uh, Congratulations on your your assignment, and good luck on your next step. Thanks, Nara. Yep, and thanks for listening to the Every Soldier Counts podcast. We will talk to you next time.